0: CHAPTER 29 OF WITH THE JUDEANS IN THE PALESTINE CAMPAIGN This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland of Victoria, British Columbia. WITH THE JUDEANS IN THE PALESTINE CAMPAIGN BY JOHN HENRY PATTERSON CHAPTER 29 AMONG THE PHILISTINES when General Hoskins left Beersalem to take up a command in England, he was replaced by Major General Sir John Shea, under whom we had served for a short time in the line. If this officer had not been called elsewhere, I am quite sure that the regrettable incidents which I shall have to relate would never have taken place. But unfortunately General Shea was away practically all the time we were attached to his division, and a senior brigadier acted in his place this brigadier was apparently well aware of the anti-jewish attitude taken up by certain members of the g h q staff and trimmed his sails accordingly but unfortunately for himself as the sequel will show his zeal to second their ill-advised efforts carried him to such lengths that even those influential members whose policy he was supporting were unable to save him from the consequences of his own outrageous folly no sooner had we come under his command than his anti-semitic bias became apparent certain areas were placed out of bounds to jewish soldiers but not to men in other battalions jewish soldiers were so molested by the military police that the only way they could enjoy a peaceful walk outside camp limits was by removing their fusilier badges and substituting others which they kept conveniently in their pockets for the purpose they found that by adopting this method they were never interfered with by the military police traditional british fair play seemed to have taken wings as soon as general z appeared on the scene I repeatedly made official complaints about the way the men were persecuted, but nothing was done to mend matters. As a British officer, I felt ashamed to hold my head up in my own camp owing to the unfair and un-English treatment to which the men were subjected. It may well be imagined that this attitude of the staff made my command anything but an easy one. In the first place, knowing how all ranks were discriminated against, no officer or man wished to remain in the battalion, it was exceedingly difficult under the circumstances to get the best out of the men. While we were with the Anzacs, although we suffered exceedingly from the deadly climate in the desolate Jordan Valley, yet we were all thoroughly happy because we were treated with justice and sympathy by the staff and by all other ranks in that famous division. At Bir Salem, on the contrary, we were anything but a happy unit. It will be remembered that before we left Rafa the battalion had been swamped by about 800 recruits, Physically, they were a very fine lot, but being young and hailing from the United States, they were a bit wild and difficult to handle. The moment they joined the battalion, they had to do real hard soldiering, and were put on outposts and detachments up and down the country, guarding thousands of prisoners of war, long stretches of railway line, millions of pounds worth of munitions, food, ordnance supplies, etc., in fact, so arduous were these duties that the men had scarcely more than every alternate night in bed, although it is the rule in the army that whenever possible every man should be allowed at least three consecutive nights' rest. The great majority of my old, trained men of the 38th had by this time either been demobilized, invalided out to England, or employed on special duties between Cairo and Aleppo, so that a great part of the heavy duties which had to be carried out fell on the American recruits. There was absolutely no time to train these men, and I consider it was really wonderful that they did so well under the circumstances. I know of no more heartbreaking task for a commanding officer than to endeavour to keep a battalion in a high state of discipline when he is surrounded by a hostile staff, apparently all out to irritate and humiliate both officers and men. From reveille to Lights Out, it was a case of countering the actions of those in authority which constantly tended to create discontent and ill-feeling in our ranks i may mention that i had scores of protests from the men often daily owing to the persecution to which they were subjected while we were at bir salem is it to be wondered at that suffering all these things some of the american volunteers at last became restive and asked themselves why should we serve england and be treated like dogs i often felt it necessary to speak to the men for i knew that their loyalty was strained almost to breaking point at such moments i told them that the honour of jury rested on their shoulders and no matter what provocation they might be subjected to they must at all times remain steadfast the imperial government in england was sound and sympathetic to their ideals and eventually justice must prevail and the evil days through which we were passing would soon come to an end i appealed to them as jews to be good soldiers and to their credit they always responded before this persecution became acute volunteers were called for to serve with the army of occupation in palestine Several hundred American enthusiasts in the battalion offered their services, but owing to the treatment they received, their enthusiasm died out, and they requested that they should be demobilized and repatriated. A small party of these American citizens who were on outpost duty at Bila, some 60 miles to the south of Bir Salem, sent in a signed memorial requesting demobilization. Otherwise, they stated that they would refuse to do duty after a certain date which was mentioned. This document I of course forwarded to divisional headquarters. I had been writing to the authorities for months requesting that these men should be demobilized and sent back to the United States, and at last I heard unofficially that the order for repatriation was on its way. I sent my adjutant to inform the Bila men that their release was coming through in the course of a few days, and to tell them to carry on meanwhile like good soldiers. More than half of the men responded, but the rest, being young and untrained, refused to perform any further soldierly duties after the expiry of the time limit they just remained quietly in their tents for they wished to bring matters to a head i am glad to say that the jewish soldiers both americans and british serving with me at bir salem stood firm and carried out their duties as usual after personal investigation into the conduct of these foolish youths at bela i remanded them for trial by field general court-martial and forwarded the charge sheets with summaries of evidence to General Zed. I had framed the charge sheets most carefully, but apparently my drafting did not suit the general, for he framed fresh charges of mutiny, and sent his ADC with them to me for immediate signature. I had but a moment to scan the charge sheets, for the ADC was impatient to catch a train which was due to leave. I did not like the general's drafting, but being a very obedient soldier, I duly signed the documents as ordered, and handed them back to the waiting staff officer, wishing him luck with them as he galloped off. According to King's regulations, a soldier remanded for trial by court-martial has the right to request the help of an officer to act as his friend at the trial, and of course it is the bounden duty of such officer to do everything in his power to get the accused acquitted. The Bila men petitioned Lieutenant Jabotinsky to act as their advocate, and he, somewhat unwillingly, assented to undertake the ungrateful task he was not anxious to defend these men of Bila because he held that they should have carried out their duties faithfully to the end even although they felt that they had a grievance against authority the trial took place at kantara and in the course of it lieutenant jabotinsky pointed out a fatal flaw in the charge sheets with the result that the charge of mutiny failed and the court had to be dissolved the president who belonged to major-general louis jean boll's late regiment was furious at the fiasco and said this is all the fault of Colonel Patterson, and I shall report him. My adjutant, Captain Sandison, a staunch and sturdy Scot, was present in court as prosecutor, and knowing all the facts of the case, at once turned on the President and said, You have no right, sir, to make such a statement about my commanding officer. The GOC division rejected his charge sheets, which were in perfect order, and framed the faulty ones himself, so now you know whom to report. A new court had to be convened, but the men were now arraigned merely on the lesser charge of disobeying an order. Even on this lesser charge, they were savagely sentenced to various terms of penal servitude, ranging from seven years downwards. Had they been found guilty by the first court on the charge of mutiny, I presume they would all have been shot. I am confident that if these young Americans had been properly trained as soldiers, this Bila incident would never have taken place. I had given the authorities ample warning of what was likely to happen when these recruits were thrust upon me, but my advice was ignored. All I can say is that if an Australian, English, Irish or a Scottish battalion had been treated as this Jewish battalion was treated, divisional headquarters would have gone up in flames and the general himself would have been lucky to escape. Be it noted that the mutineers of other British units, the men who had openly defied all authority and set Cantara in a blaze, were not even put on trial. Until the recruits were forcibly thrust upon me, I can vouch for it that the 38th Battalion Royal Fusiliers was one of the most exemplary units that ever took the field, crime being practically unknown. The men endured hard marching, hard knocks, fatiguing manual labour at times scanty rations of food and water the seething heat of the jordan valley and the anti-semitism of the local military authorities and withal gained the highest praise from the general officer commanding under whom they served in the field notwithstanding the fact that we were so despitefully used the authorities found that the men's services were invaluable in addition to garrisoning large areas of palestine i had officers NCOs, and men holding all kinds of important posts throughout the EEF, from Aleppo to Cairo. The demand for men from the 38th Battalion was ever on the increase, for executive officers found the Jewish soldier steady, sober, and reliable. Three qualities, the importance of which I was always impressing on the men, although, as a matter of fact, sobriety is one of the outstanding virtues of the Jewish soldier. End of chapter 29